Hi everyone, I'm Deb Flaschenberg. Welcome to Yoga Birth Babies, a podcast produced by Prenatal Yoga Center. We will be diving into everything prenatal yoga, birth, and baby related, hoping to inspire, educate, and empower you through your journey into motherhood. Thank you for listening. Hi, I'm Deb Flaschenberg. I'm your host for Yoga Birth Babies, and today we're talking about weight shaming. And this came up because maybe about two months ago, I had a student in class who talked to me about the pressure and the shame she felt from her care provider when the care provider was commenting about her weight gain during pregnancy, and she was really upset. And I didn't really have a solid answer. So because I didn't, and I want to serve my my students, I reached out to the birthing community here in New York City, and I said, who should I talk to about this? This is obviously something a lot of the other students in class resonated with. The student was really upset. She didn't know how to handle this. She didn't think she gained a lot of weight. She was otherwise healthy, but it was still and it's something the other students said, yes, they've experienced this too. So my community pointed me to Jen McClellan. And that's who I reached out to, and that's who we're going to speak to today. So Jen is a certified childbirth educator, wife and mother of a charismatic nine-year-old. She's the host of the popular Plus Mommy podcast, a published author, speaker, and founder of Plus Size Birth, the premium resource for all things plus size pregnancy. So we're going to talk about some of the things about plus size pregnancy, but really also about the average size, the average bodied side person, and what do they do when they're feeling discriminated against the weight they've gained in pregnancy? How do they have that conversation? And then of course, we're going to dip into plus size pregnancy and what that means and the the evidence versus the preconceived ideas of the stigmas, but it's a really interesting conversation. And Jen comes to this with so much knowledge. Before we get to that conversation, I want to take a moment and thank my community. So by the time you hear this, we are well moved into our new space. We moved one block east, but it was still a big relocation in the sense that we had to pack everything up, repack and pack it somewhere else, create a new space, a new home. And we've done that. And I, I could not have done that without the support of my community. Financially, people stepped up far more than I thought we would gather in our, our crowdfunding. And then people came and helped. I could not believe it. Teachers came and helped. We had some of our workshop teachers came and helped. One of my, uh, the photographers I worked with, Rob Fitch, who's an amazing photographer, came and spent the whole day helping my husband and I put the studio together, truly without Rob. I don't know what we'd have done because I opened up one piece of Ikea furniture and I was just overwhelmed within moments. And luckily, Rob and my husband, Joey, were able to figure it all out and really build out the space. I love it. And I feel so blessed and honored to be creating a bigger space and a, a place for our community to continue to grow. And it's just, I'm, I'm just floored and, and I don't speechless, I guess, by the outpouring of love and support. So thank you to my whole community for supporting prenatal yoga center and myself during this huge transition. And of course, within a week of moving to our new space, we started our New York city teacher training. So that is underway. And then we're actually almost at capacity. We have a few spots left for the Charlotte, North Carolina. I'm so excited to go back to Yoga One. I adore that space and the people there, truly wonderful people. And then we have a new space we're going to in the winter. We're going to Willow Street Yoga in Washington, D.C., 
really excited for that. Back in New York City, we're already registering for the spring and then returning to Yoga Source in Richmond. So we have five teacher trainings coming up. I am so excited. The more I dive into this, the more Caprice and I are constantly looking at the material and re-angling how we think about it and how we're teaching it and just continues to enrich our teaching and that which we're passing on. All right, last thing I want to say is if you are enjoying this podcast, please take a moment to go to wherever you're listening to it and leave a rating and review. It helps people find us and it helps us just to support the pregnant and postpartum community. All right, we're going to take a super quick break. And when we come back, uh, you're going to hear my great conversation with Jen. Hi, Jen. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me on your show. I am so excited to talk to you. Actually, the way I found you is I had this issue that came up in class with what we'll talk about, like um, weight expectations. And I put out to my community, I'm like, okay, here's my deal. Who should I talk to? And I think five or six different people yelled your name with like exclamations and stars. And I'm like, oh, well, clearly this is the person. So (laughs) this is really exciting. So I guess let's start with, um, just tell my community that, that people that don't know you, it's a little bit about yourself. Sure. My name is Jen McCollum, but you probably already said that. And I am (laughs) the founder of Plus Size Birth and the host of the Plus Mommy podcast. So I'm also a certified childbirth educator, author, public speaker, all the things, uh, and mother to, I like to say a charismatic nine-year-old. <laughs> ah, I have a charismatic eight-year-old. Okay. They should get together. <laughs> <laughs> so let's just jump into what drew you to blogging about plus size pregnancy and motherhood. Sure. I found out I was pregnant in January of 2010 and went online and really didn't find anything positive. There was hardly any positive resources around being plus size and pregnant, let alone images of people my size pregnant. And it was really discouraging. And thankfully, I had a friend who uh, we did water aerobics together, and she actually got me to do prenatal yoga with her. So yeah, it was amazing. (laughs) I was like, my body can do, wow, my body can do amazing things. And she said, I've hired this doula and explained what a doula did. And I was like, I want a doula. And it was the doula that came into my husband's in my living room and was basically like, um, so you want a natural childbirth and uh, you should just have a home birth. And I was like, I respect people's choices, but I'm high risk. She's like, who told you you're high risk? And I was like, she was basically like, get over yourself. So what your plus size, like your body's amazing. Like there's nothing wrong. You don't have any increased risk. You're, you're telling me you're obsessed with water aerobics. Like you're fine. And she really opened my eyes to the midwifery model of care. And that changed my whole life. Because for the first time at the age of 30, as a plus-size person, I had a care provider that touched my body with compassion. And it radically shifted not only, I think, the trajectory of my pregnancy and birth, but my whole life. So I switched to a midwife, fired my OB, and I ended up giving birth on my knees in a hospital and had that unmedicated childbirth that I wanted after a completely healthy pregnancy. And it was like, why? I surely could not have been the first fat woman to have a healthy outcome, let alone a vaginal birth. Like, 
why are there not more resources out there? So once I settled into motherhood, although I joke, my kid's nine and I'm still settling, <laughs> uh, I started writing, having no idea what a, how to blog. I kind of knew what a blog was. Uh, and now it's what I do full time. So I, yeah. And a podcast. Yeah. Yeah. The podcast is newer and fun. And uh, it's just been this wild ride of really providing every resource that I would spend hours searching for. And now it's been so exciting to watch Instagram, which wasn't, hadn't started yet. And <laughs> the hashtag plus size pregnancy is like over 40,000 people have used it. And I only could imagine what it would have been like for me in those first few months if I would have had access to the resources that are out there now. That's fantastic. Can you go on? So you did touch upon your pregnancy, but what were some of the things that you were experiencing before you shifted to the midwifery model? And how do you think if you didn't, that would have affected your birth experience? Sure. You know, everything I read online was like, you will develop gestational diabetes. You will have a cesarean birth. And so I brought some of those concerns to my OB and they were just, she was just like, well, I'm glad you're 30. And we'll kind of just see how your pregnancy goes. So it wasn't, she never shamed me, but she never empowered me. And when I switched to a midwife, it was like, not only, as I said, she would touch my body with compassion with that in and of itself was life-changing, but I would bring questions and concerns to her. Like I read online that big girls have big babies and she would be like, that's what your hips are for. You can birth a big baby. And I was like, I can and she just planted these seeds of belief in my body that really empowered me to know that I could have a healthy outcome and I could have the vaginal birth and even the unmedicated birth that I so desired. That's so great. All right, I want to jump ahead of some things that I wanted to talk about because you you put it out there. I'm like, let's just keep riding this train. So um, you were talking about kind of the stigmas or preconceived ideas about a, a large bodied person and what care providers and often just kind of the general, the society things of like, um, shoulder dystocia, you know, the whole big baby or gestational diabetes. Mm -hmm. Can you open up about some of the evidence that you found out that dispels some of that? Because I've heard this from my students and this is how, that's how this whole conversation even started is because a couple of my students, uh, that are larger bodied had these concerns. And then also I had some students that were smaller bodied that their care provider was also weight shaming them, which we'll get to, but it mm -hmm. seems to be something that we're just not talking about. So what's some of the actual evidence about this sure. stuff? Sure. There are absolutely increased risk of having a higher BMI during pregnancy. And I never want to scoot away from those. I think it's important that we talk about that everything you hear about there are some slight, notice how I said slight increased risks, right? But there's no one thing that only people with a high BMI incur. And when we look at like all the increased risks from, like you said, shoulder dystocia, it's so minute, it's so tiny, um, to preeclampsia and gestational diabetes and all the lists, we think of gestational diabetes as like the one. Like if you are plus size, or you have a high BMI, you will absolutely incur gestational diabetes or your risk of incurring it is so astronomical. But when we look at the evidence, the risk is actually like, I, you know, we all have our own interpretation of what low is, but there are studies to show that it's like under 15%. So 
to me, that's low. And I like to flip the script and say, you know, you're going to have an 85% to 90% chance of not developing gestational diabetes. So here's how you can be proactive with your health. And that's the trick, right? Is that we're still, it's not really a trick, but like, that's how we can pro- provide people with the evidence in a way that's empowering. Is there an increased risk? Yes, absolutely. But how that information is presented is really important. And what we end up telling people more often than not, and care providers too, and a lot of the studies show is the relative risks. So people are being told, oh, you have two times the risk of developing gestational diabetes if you have a BMI over 30. Well, if someone with a BMI under 30, and I'm just saying numbers, I mean, they're about right, but don't perfectly quote me. We can put, we can put the studies in the show notes. But let's say, you know, someone with a BMI under 30 has an increased risk of, you know, 5%. And twice that brings us to 10%, right? And that's about, it's between some studies show 11%, other studies show 15 for gestational diabetes with a higher BMI. Um, so that's like, if we're looking at it, like 10%, right? So, but saying twice, in my head, I think, oh my gosh, I have like a 50% because they're saying it's twice. And it's, no, your absolute risk is so important. If your care provider is saying twice as likely or a very likely, then ask, what is my absolute risk of developing this? And this is something that uh, Rebecca at Evidence-Based Birth has talked a lot about. And she was on my podcast recently, really honing in on the importance, but not being surprised if they don't know the answer. <laughs> When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. That's great. That's actually, I found, I listened to that and I was like, wow, she presents it so well. Um, what about early induction? And I've had some of my larger students tell me, oh, my care provider's just telling me this baby's going to be so big and I just, I'm not going to even try to have a vaginal birth. Let's just go straight to a cesarean. Do you hear that a lot? Yeah. Yeah. And when we look at the, um, the rates of cesarean birth for people with a higher BMI, we're looking between 45%. And if you have a BMI of closer to 60 or yeah, 50, then your increased risk of having a cesarean goes all the way up to 80%. 80%. And to me, that's where I now travel the country and speak to care providers and at nursing conferences and birth professional conferences and say, there is something else going on here. You can't tell me that people who exist in that, and you know, my size and these smaller have an 80% risk just based on our bodies. Like there's clearly a care provider bias 
against people of size that is playing a role. Is there an increased risk for fetal macrosomia having that big baby? Yes, it's there. But it's not astronomical, just as we showed that gestational diabetes, the one main thing that people are so concerned about, it absolutely is there an increased risk. Increased risk, yes, but it's not a, it's not a given. Just because you exist in a larger body doesn't mean that you will automatically have a high risk pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And ACOG even states that people with a higher BMI shouldn't be classified as high risk just based upon their BMI. So you have to look at the whole spectrum. So if your care provider has said from the beginning, oh, you know, you're you're likely you're probably going to develop gestational diabetes and you're going to have a big baby. Well, then don't be surprised nearing the end of your pregnancy if they're talking about induction. Mm -hmm. So it's really important that we focus on connecting with a size-friendly care provider from the start, a care provider that is going to look at your whole health and wellness. So as you're going through your pregnancy, if there are true concerns of a big baby, then, you know, we are doing the things to proactively make sure that, you know, mom and baby are safe and everything is needed. But yes, there is definitely this bias. And I hear it all the time of people being told that they have a big baby all of a sudden and they have to be induced without really having the conversation of where is this coming from? And and if we look at, again, Rebecca's evidence-based birth article around big baby, we're inducing people of all sizes for this at a rate that is terrifying and really plays into our cesarean birth rate. That's astronomical. When you have talked at those conferences, how is it received? Do you feel like you're making... Do you feel like you're just talking and there's just like a stone face? They're like, fine, I'm going to be polite and let you talk. Or do they actually engage and are interested to hear what you say and perhaps shift the tides a bit? What's What's been great about the work that I do is I came into this as like a lay individual. I was just a mom who had this experience. So storytelling is such a huge component of what I do. And now while I do have, you know, a certification and experience and an author, um, it's, it's how I present it. So it is storytelling, but it's also really explaining what it is to be a size-friendly care provider. So I recently spoke at a labor and delivery conference in Utah, and I kind of walked through some examples of what it is like to be plus size and pregnant and looking at the studies that show that there is absolutely a care provider bias against people of size that is creating harm. And I show a little clip from a video that Yale University put out. So that kind of, you know, I'm just not a fat woman standing in front of them saying there's a problem here. I'm saying like, and here is Yale backing up what I'm saying. And then I describe what it is to be a size-friendly care provider and define it in ways like having chairs in your lobby that don't have arms. Something so simple, but something that if you don't exist in a larger body, you don't realize is a problem. And so with all of these things put together, then at the end, it's like more of a let's talk about this and harm is being done and how can we work together to correct this? So I think in all the years of public speaking for like six years now, I I do it in a way that it's not like you're the problem because care providers aren't the problem. We have a societal bias that plays into this a lot. And I think it's really important that people address their own bias. So at this conference, when I asked, do you you self-identify as size-friendly, looking at these lists of things that would make you a size-friendly care provider? And maybe 20 people in a room of over 100 raised their hands. That, to me, is a clear 
sign that, that there's a problem and they can see it too, right? And at the end of this talk, I had uh, you know, people stand up if they had ever in their own lives been made to feel ashamed about their bodies in one way or another. And nearly everyone stood up, except for maybe like, I think there were like four or five people that did it. And I asked those people sitting to look around the room. And if someone that they cared about was standing, then that still impacted them. Mm-hmm. And that this is a whole societal problem that we need to be addressing together. Yeah. I love everything you said. So I want to also go into some of the weight bias and weight shaming. And it's not even this I'm seeing across the board, no matter yeah. the the size of the body. <laughs> so one of my students recently, so we do this thing called circle time. So everyone starts by saying their name, how far along they are, their aches, pains, issues, requests. And one of the students came to me or in, in the middle of the, the circle time and said, you know, my care provider is really on me about how much weight I've gained. And she's really pressuring me. And this happens to be like a smaller bodied person. And, you know, again, I'm not a care provider, so I don't come with that scope of practice. And I'm like, well, how do you feel? You know, how much, you know, mm-hmm. how are you, did you, do you have high blood pressure? Or, you know, do you, are you in the gestational diabetes category? And she's like, no, but I've gained in the, you know, it's like a month between visits and the kind of that earlier mm-hmm. time. And she's like, I gained like, you know, eight, 12 pounds or something to that. I don't remember exact. And her doctor was really upset with her and I had nothing else to offer, but I'm so mm-hmm. sorry to hear that. And, you know, I think you should talk to your doctor about that. And I wish I had more to offer. So, yeah. you know, cause she was being weight shamed in a sense. And she was yeah. really upset. No, she was like, and she's yeah. like, I eat really well. And I'm coming. And she literally, this person comes to yoga three times a week. And she's like, and you know, she's a New Yorker. She walks all everywhere. She's like, I don't know what else to do. And I, you know, again, I didn't have the information, which is why I wanted to talk to you. But like, yeah. what do students do or, or pregnant people do? when they're hearing that, and she's not the first, like I've heard this throughout my years, many, many, many times that mm-hmm. there's pressure to gain a certain amount in a certain time. And, you know, it could be nonlinear how people gained weight. So how yeah. would you respond to that? Sure. I think we can start by looking at like the evidence and studies that show when someone, and this is specifically someone of size, but I would assume that this would apply for anyone When um, a person of size feels shamed by their care provider, they are more likely to gain weight and less likely to receive, less likely to receive, sorry, they are more likely to gain weight and less likely to receive uh, routine care. So that to me is alarming. So if someone feels shamed, that means that they're not as likely to come back and to continue to receive care. So we need to have a relationship with our care provider where we feel comfortable addressing concerns, right? Where we can have an open dialogue. Is weight part of the equation and something that needs to be talked about? Yes. But it's how these conversations take place that are so important. So if you're feeling shamed by your care provider, then there's a few things that you can do. You can fire your care provider, right? Like you don't have to stay with this doctor. We feel so tied to these care providers. With weight, you can also bring up, you know what? I Weight makes me uncomfortable. I don't want to talk about weight. So you can set a boundary. When you are going to be weighed, when you go to your appointment, you can make it clear, you know, I don't want my weight to be said out loud. 
You can not look. You can even stand backwards on the scale. That's something that some people do. So they're not even tempted to look at the number. And then also, as a mentally competent adult, you can say, I do not want to be weighed. And that is your choice. Will that maybe create some tension and your care provider not be comfortable with that and have a conversation? Yes, but you have options and you have choices. And I, and I would also say sometimes it's really hard to speak up for ourselves when we're alone in a very vulnerable situation where usually we're half naked, right? So having someone else in the room with you, if you've hired a doula, sometimes doulas will come with you to appointments. Now it's not their role to ever speak on your behalf, but sometimes just having that person in the room with you can make a big impact. We also know that having someone in the room with you tends to make care providers be a little more mindful of the things that they're saying. But ultimately, if your care provider is shaming you and making you feel ashamed, then really strongly consider getting a new care provider because this is just one small red flag that'll play out more throughout your pregnancy if you really look closely at yeah. what's happening. Because one of the things I do remember asking her is like, how's your belly measuring? Because we know that if they go from pubis to fundus, it's going to give a sense of how big the baby is. Yes. And she said her uh, her belly's measuring fine, but it was just the weight. And I was just, that's what really got me because mm-hmm. it just kind of spiraled her so I could see that. So yeah. I love your ideas about, you know, one, not, not even doing it or not looking because a lot of people get triggered by these okay. conversations. This isn't just people of size, you know, pregnant people of all sizes have, you know, can have a history with disordered eating and a lot of emotional, you know, weight plays such a big role in our lives and society. And then in pregnancy, it's so closely monitored. Is there a reason for that? Absolutely. Right. We have evidence to show that by, you know, limiting weight gain, we're going to help people have healthier outcomes. And for people of size, the limits are far more stringent, right? So if you have a BMI between 25 and 30, which would classify you as like overweight, which BMI is a whole side other conversation we could have about. Yeah. I kind of want to jump into that because (laughs) I have no idea. How does one figure out their BMI? Oh, it's, it's height and weight and this mathematical equation that was established in the 1900s by a statistician. It was never even designed to be used as like this baseline of health that's being used today. It doesn't take into account, um, you know, gender, which I know is fluid now, but, you know, it doesn't take that into account. It doesn't take account your ethnicity, you know, bodybuilders at the peak of their health are classified as obese. So there's so many problems. Yeah, there's so many problems in their weight versus their height. That's really what it's looking at. And so... There's so many problems with BMI. I mean, you can easily Google calculate my BMI and it'll spit out the number for you. Do I think it's one number that we can look at? Sure. Do I think it's the end all be all of health? Absolutely not. So if you have a BMI of 25 to 30, which classifies you as over or overweight, they're going to want to see a weight gain, weight, weight gain of 15 to 25 pounds, which seems like not a lot of weight, right? And then if you have a BMI of 30 and above, it's 11 to 20 pounds, which I almost always hear is like a 15 pound weight gain. And some people are even being told, I don't want to see any weight gain, or I'd like you to lose weight. 
And How do you not have any weight gain because you're making a baby a placenta amniotic fluid? I mean, <laughs> your breasts are going to be like, how, how is it that you don't have any weight gain? Well, I think it, it's a little different for people who exist in larger bodies. I think what's important is to, to normalize the conversation. And again, with weight, we can have conversations about weight that aren't, aren't, inherently stigmatizing, right? We can have conversations that don't make us feel triggered. I think it is important if we have a higher BMI that we can have an open and honest conversation with our care provider, not only us having that conversation, but our care provider, because we have evidence that shows trying not to gain too much weight can help to reduce our increased risk. So it's all about how these conversations play out. So if you are pregnant in a larger body, it's actually not uncommon for you to not gain weight and even lose weight during pregnancy. For example, I lost 18 pounds. It was gradual throughout my pregnancy, but I was, you know, doing water aerobics three times a week. I was doing prenatal yoga. I was nourishing my body unlike I ever had before. For the first time as a person of size, I wasn't dieting. I was listening to intuitively what my body wanted and eating in healthier manner than I ever had in my whole life. Weight loss occurred because of that, but it wasn't something I was trying to do. I wasn't trying to lose weight. And and I hear this so often, you know, and 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 we don't ever want to say that, you know, people of all size have unhealthy habits and they eat horribly because all those assumptions are often made. But if you we're making different choices or having different habits before you got pregnant, and then they erratically shifted when you were pregnant, then you might lose weight. And if it's done in a slowly gradual manner, and like you were saying, you know, the measure, the baby's measuring and you're measuring and everything else is looking good, then that can be healthy. So it's how we have these conversations that is so important. But when someone is told, Okay, so uh, according to your BMI, you cannot gain more than, uh, you know, 11 to 20 pounds. And I'd actually like to see you not gain, you know, more than 15. All right, uh, we'll schedule you for your next appointment. Oh, my goodness. Like, you leave there like, what just happened? Because all these celebrities online are gaining 70 pounds. And my friend Sally gained 40. And now I can't gain more than 15. I, I don't even know how to process this. I'm going to go home and eat some cake. You know, it's like, it's just how you, how you have these conversations don't matter. And that's why everything I do and like the, the main messaging of my work is the critical importance of connecting with a size friendly care provider. If you exist in a larger body, but I think it plays over to people of all sizes because I define a size friendly care provider as a care provider who provides evidence-based compassionate care <laughs> and like people ask uh you know certain people who are like VBAC experts like Jen Campbell and she's like well yeah like a, a, a care provider that you know is VBAC friendly is also size friendly and it's like yes these providers that work within the evidence and also provide compassionate care that's someone we all want to be working with right right because they shouldn't it's when you're saying also size friendly, it should also just be like, all right, so you've gained this much instead of freaking out and shaming the person be like, you know, even just open a conversation. Okay. So I see that you've gained this maybe open of like what's going on, or I see this, let's just keep an eye on it instead of making that person freak out. So they're friendly to all situations. 
and also providing resources. I mean, I'm a huge champion of the midwifery model of care because it's not just a, oh, what are you eating? It's, do you have access to get to a grocery store and get fruits and vegetables? What does that look like for you? Do you need help with transportation? Like bus passes. I mean, it's a whole big spectrum. It isn't just, what are you eating? Write this down because I can easily lie. <laughs> it's, you know, do you have access to get to healthy foods? Yeah, or, all the you, factors involved. Absolutely. Yeah, all the factors involved. And then, you know, uh, ACOG recommends referring people of size to nutritionists. And I think that's great too, because as a person of size, my own story, like I went to weight, was taken to Weight Watchers at a very young age with my mother. And that just put me on the cycle of dieting for my whole life that only made me gain more and more and more weight as an adult. We know statistically diets don't work. 96% of diets fail and people will regain all the weight they lost plus go even heavier. So it, it's, it's so ingrained in us that we have to diet. But when you're pregnant, it's this amazing opportunity to change your relationship with with your whole body, but especially with nutrition and to learn how to fuel your body and love your body with food, as opposed to punish your body and restrict your body. It, it can, it, it's a life changing. Does that mean that after pregnancy, you're going to lose a bunch of weight? No, it's not about weight. It's about health and how we nourish ourselves. And that's really important. And, and it's a great opportunity for a shift. So I definitely encourage people to work with a nutritionist if their care provider is recommending it or bring that to your you know, your own appointment, say, you know, I'd love to work with a nutritionist and then make sure you're connecting, you know, with a size friendly nutritionist as well. Yeah. And also just keep in mind that weight gain's not linear. It's not like, um, I just had this whole conversation about the Friedman curve, which is about dilation and a certain expectation. Weight gain's kind of the same thing. It's not like, so I, I did a blog about, I interviewed a MD about this. And she said, Oh, I'd like to see people gain approximately this much. And she, she went between 25 and 35 and she went down and categorized how yeah, much, except, you know, except like by the world health organization. Yeah. So so, yeah. So she provided that and she's like the amniotic fluids about this and the baby sat. And, and as I was thinking about that, and I was thinking about like my own pregnancies and that of what I've watched, I remember my own first uh, trimester with both my kids, I was so nauseous. I couldn't even be around like the smell of certain foods. I couldn't even be around it. So I lost a little because everything made me sick. And then I had a kind of a, if you, I guess if it was charted, it would be like a high spike (laughs) when I finally could be like, okay, I could put food in my mouth. Um, you know, so keep, yeah. And that, and keeping in mind when one is talking to their care provider, like, you know, it's not a pound a week or whatever, because Mm -hmm. certain weeks, you can't even smell the broccoli. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? right. like, you don't want right. to look at the saltines. And then other weeks you're like, yeah, bring it on. So just mm-hmm. also adding to this conversation that weight gain, it's not linear, just kind of like birth. It's not, it's not mm-hmm. linear. So but you, if you yeah. are afraid, if you are afraid going to your, if you look on your calendar and see that you have a doctor's visit the next day and you're not eating dinner that night, or you're just snacking on baby carrots and you're not eating breakfast that morning because you're afraid of being weighed at the doctor's office, that is that is something to be very aware of. And that is something I hear, that people are so afraid to be weighed by their doctor because they've been shamed or fear of being shamed. Please don't keep putting yourself in that situation. The stress that you are putting on yourself and your, your 
baby is way worse than gaining a little bit more weight than your care provider has recommended. I really encourage you to, to really pay attention to what your body is telling you, your baby's telling you, your emotions. Talk to, if there's a partner in the picture, talk to your partner about what you're feeling. And remember that our care providers work for us. You do not have to work with this care provider. Yes, Sometimes there are insurance limitations. Sometimes you're a military family and you don't have a lot of options. But we shared some recommendations before bringing someone with you to those appointments. And, um, you know, and there's options around how you want to be weighed or if you want to be weighed. But if you have the ability to change care providers, then please, please strongly consider that. Yeah, because you deserve it as the pregnant person. It's already stressful enough. Yeah. You know, you deserve yeah. that. Yeah. So having read some of your stuff, what words or encouragement could you offer someone to find comfort and confidence in their body, regardless of size and shape? Because pregnancy is one of those, as we've already talked about, it could be triggering. You know, you're watching your body change and sometimes it feels a little out of control. Yeah. You know, I, I love prenatal yoga. So I'll give you a big <laughs> shot, but I mean, what is it that can help you tune into your body and your baby? So whether for me, it was water aerobics. I loved going to the pool and it was this opportunity. I just feeling weightless in the water feels mm. so great during pregnancy or any time, but I could touch my belly and just feel things in ways that I couldn't outside of the water. So and it doesn't have to be putting on a bathing suit. That can be really triggering for some people. <laughs> no matter pregnant but or not, I have triggers like, with that. <laughs> yeah. but, but what can you do to start tuning into your body and your baby? And I think that helps us to build our confidence and to make us feel a little better about ourselves. And if you're really, really struggling, there is nothing wrong with asking for help and seeing a therapist. I think that's incredible. I mean, you are about to enter into parenthood, which my goodness, it's a roller coaster. And maybe this isn't your first pregnancy and you're really struggling with your body. I think that we have so much still stigma around mental health, but if you are really suffering during pregnancy, that can lead into many things. So it's really important that you talk to someone, but but what can you do early on to tune into your body and love your body? And maybe it's meditating. Maybe it's uh, going for walks. Maybe it's listening to podcasts. Maybe it's finding a Facebook group of, you know, pregnant people who have the same due date. And then those groups can be toxic. So you have to find what's right for you. But, but what is it that can really help you to tune into your baby and your body and to really start to embrace this journey that you're going on? Oh, such good information. And, and what I like to also slip into the conversations with my students is appreciating what their bodies are so capable of doing that yeah. just kind of standing back and like, I'm not really doing this. It's just kind of on it, you know, it's just kind of doing itself and how capable it it is. And I think that, I think that often can bring confidence just be like, yeah. Watch, watch my body do this. Just, I'm just going to step yeah. back and watch my baby grow. I'm going to love it. I'm going to nurture and watch it go. Yeah. And, and regardless of size, we live in a society where we're told that pregnancy looks like one thing. It's a thin Caucasian woman with no stretch marks. And that couldn't be further from the truth, right? Pregnancy looks so different for so many different people. You know, I talk, I have most popular article on my blog is what's a bee belly, because especially if you exist in a larger body, your pregnancy belly, which we think of like a D 
might look more like a bee and that's okay and that's normal like not everyone is Caucasian not everyone identifies as a female like there's just such a huge spectrum of what pregnancy looks like and whatever you're experiencing is your normal and that's okay so I think finding community as well around whatever your pregnancy looks like can help normalize your experience and that's why it was so important to me to have so many images of people of size pregnant from all different backgrounds, because then you felt like, oh, like this isn't some big stigmatizing thing. I just exist in a larger body and I, I'm pregnant. And yes, I have some increased risk, but statistically I have, you know, the ability to have a completely healthy outcome. And even if I incur risk, that's not necessarily because of my size. And I need to have this opportunity in my life to, to learn to love and appreciate and know that my body is doing this incredible thing and to go on the journey with your body and your baby. And it's, yeah, it can change your life in so many ways, amazing ways. If you're able to especially connect with a care provider, that's going to empower you throughout your pregnancy experience and stay away from people that want to diminish it. I remember I was, I, I was very pregnant, probably a couple of weeks from my due date. And I was walking down the street in New York city and a man decided in a car, he was, I was walking on the sidewalk. This was a man in the car, slowed his car down to roll his window down to shout out the window that it looked like I had swallowed a basketball. And I'm like, mm. I'm like, who, who are you? And, and you felt mm. that you had to slow your vehicle down to tell me this. Like, mm. it's insane what happens to, to the pregnant person and the, the, mm. in societies, um, I shouldn't say it all of society, but some people's societies need to comment. It just, I felt horrible after that. I just felt absolutely yeah. horrible. And then on the flip yeah. side of that, if you're a pregnant person existing in a larger body, you often feel invisible, right? So no one's asking to touch your belly. People don't realize that you're pregnant when you are. Uh, there's this great blog post by Mia, who lives in your neck of the woods in Jersey City, uh, My Invisible Plus Size Pregnancy, uh, a guest post on my blog. I'll share it. Yeah, I'm writing it down. <laughs> where she talks about like being on the subway and no one's offering her a seat to sit down. And here she is pregnant, but, but no one sees it. So it's this hard time where like you, you want to be like, I'm pregnant too, right? Like you hear your friends who exist in smaller bodies saying, oh, it's so annoying. Everyone wants to touch my body and or touch my belly. And, and maybe you don't want to be touched and that's totally fine, but it, 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 it's a, it can be a hard time. And so for any birth professionals listening, like if you're working with a, a plus size client and you ask, like, you know, can I touch your body? Are you comfortable with me touching your belly? Then then love on that belly if they give you permission to touch them. Because it, it is harder often when you exist in a larger body. You don't show as soon. Uh, you don't feel movement as early. Your, your partners or family don't feel movement as early. And it's just, again, as we talked about, a new normal. But it can be, that can make it even more difficult to embrace your pregnant body. That's a great point. And thank you for bringing that up because I, I've seen that and I know it can be hard. Um, we try to tell our teacher trainees, like, don't comment like, Oh, you're look at your cute belly because everyone's belly is going to be different. Um, yeah. regardless, you know, some people have longer torsos, some people have shorter torsos, some people are bigger bodies, some people are little, and some people have a hard time even acknowledging their bodies changing. So 
it's, it's, it's tricky and just really try to empathize and watch when you're talking to someone, how they're reacting to it. Do they want Mm -hmm. that conversation or are they shunning that conversation? So thank you for bringing that up. All right. We're going to take a super quick break. When we come back, I'm going to ask you, so I'll plant the seed now as you have a moment to think, can you offer one tip or piece of advice you'd like to give to new or expectant parents? Okay. We'll be right back. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, we're back. So I'm all ears. What is it? <laughs> One tip or piece of advice. Sure. There are so much do's and don'ts and parenting wisdom out there. And I firmly believe that the best way to parent is with love. So if you are making choices and decisions around parenting that are made with love, then you are making all the right decisions and be proud of that. Oh, that is, that's one of the better ones I've heard. I love that. All right. Where can people find your work? Sure. So everything around plus size pregnancy is housed on plussizebirth.com. And then my podcast is Plus Mommy. So you can check out plusmommy.com. The tagline is from bumps to bellies. We talk about it all. I Speaking of community and finding that, I have a very large Facebook following over on Plus Mommy and it's Plus Mommy blog on Facebook. It's over 178,000. So if you feel alone as a plus size person, then you are not alone. And it's really open for anyone. Uh, so come join. And then on Instagram over at Plus Mommy as well and everywhere at Plus Mommy for social media. Perfect. And again, all that will be in our show notes. I, is there anything that I didn't ask that you're like, wait, 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 before we stop, I want to throw it out. Or do you feel like we, we kind of hit everything? I think we hit the main points. I just, I mean, we've said it 42 times and I think we should say <laughs> it 43. Like if you are not comfortable with your care provider, if you are sensing red flags, I don't care if you are, um, I don't care if you're like, you know, eight months pregnant. Like it is never too late. You could be walking into L and D and you don't like the doctor that walks in. Like this is your body and you have every right to advocate for yourself. You know, I switched care at five months and it changed my whole life. So it is never too late. Um, shame is not an effective tool. It is not one that should be ever used against you. So if you feel comfortable, don't feel comfortable with your care provider. If you are being shamed because of your weight, None of that is okay. And seek a new care provider. You owe it not only to yourself, you owe it to that baby. You're going to fight so hard for your child to have the best pediatrician in the city, right? So why wouldn't you be demanding that same care of yourself? Yes. That's what I you with. And we're going to end with that. That was perfect. Thank you, Jen, for your time. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Bye. This has been an episode of Yoga Birth Babies, produced by Prenatal Yoga Center. You can catch us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Periscope. I'm Deb Flaschenberg. Thanks for listening. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. 
With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.